Welcome to the People Data for Good podcast with Al Adamson. Hi, welcome back. Hey, I'm very excited to be with Arnold Grunwald of BetterWorks and Ian Cook of Vizier. Gentlemen, how are you two doing? Doing well, thanks, Al. Arnaud. Yeah. Hey, Arno, I know you're hot and, uh, you know, there in Oakland, California. If you would, please introduce yourself and uh, you, what you all have going there at BetterWorks. Yeah, my name is Arno Grunwald. I'm a chief product officer here at BetterWorks. I've uh, been in the company for a year and a half. Previously, I was the CEO and co-founder of a company called Hyphen. Uh, Hyphen was an employee engagement platform. So a sort of glint and culture and competitor. Um, and uh, Doug Dennerline, the CEO of BetterWorks and, and I, we saw a, a strategic opportunity to join forces. Um, so I'll tell you more things I'm, I'm sure about BetterWorks, but this is me, very, very excited to be on this podcast with you two today. Well, excited that you're here because I certainly heard of uh, Hyphen and certainly heard of Better Work. So it's very interesting that you two come together. want to hear more about that. And obviously, you have a partnership with Vizier. So Ian, if you would introduce yourself and yeah. what you all are doing, and particularly in relation to this relationship with BetterWorks. Yeah, for sure. So Vizier, our mission is to just really liberate people data, allow people to uh, not spend all the time stitching it together, but just spend the time using it and, and making better people decisions. So and we take an approach where uh, we're, we're system agnostic or uh, data agnostic. We, we think it's more important to be able to get access, get that actually distributed to lots of players so that you can make important decisions about performance, about engagement, about turnover, about compensation, all of that huge mess of um, people data that we need to use to run our businesses. And, and we see our role in the system as a, as a sort of hub of the ecosystem of all these various different uh, applications that are doing uh, new and powerful things to help people understand their business, such as better works. Well, if I'm listening to this podcast, I looked over and I saw a representative from BetterWorks and I see someone from Vizier. So playing word association, BetterWorks, OKRs, Vizier, People Analytics. So Arno, if you would, just what's the relationship between OKRs? And if you want to take time a bit to define what that is, I would be very interested for, and again, on behalf of our listeners, what's the connective tissue there in your uh, view? Yeah, OKRs is one of the things that BetterWorks uh, is a leader in. It stands for Objectives and Key Results, and it's a methodology that people use to align their organizations around key top company objectives that people have visibility to and can align to. It, it of course, creates focus. Uh, it creates alignment. It creates uh, transparency and commitment. And also there's, there's a component of OKRs that allows for people to define their stretch goals. Uh, so you can have better visibility as to what you must achieve and, and what you're stretching to achieve. Uh, I think what's uh, what's key is to understand that OKRs by themselves um, are interesting, but are not a superpower. They are a superpower when they're married with good people enablement. And that's what we do at BetterWorks. We try to close the loop continuously between the strategy, uh, people's work, and the people themselves. 
uh, enabling managers to have the information, to have the data, to guide and coach teams and, and individuals. Um, so we're sitting on a gold mine of data, I think. <laughs> we know what people are working on. We know what counts for them, what motivates them. We know what their progress is uh, throughout the quarter or throughout the year. We know what feedback, what recognition they're getting from their peers. And since the hyphen acquisition, we know um, if they are engaged and what is engaging them, what motivates them. So all this data comes together and the tie up with people analytics is, is natural, right? Uh, so partnering with Vizier for us is, uh, is, is very natural. We have a lot of data that is just critical in guiding business leaders, managers, HRs, and even individual contributors. I love it. Ian, your view on the matching between what uh, was just shared and what you all at Vizier do. And, you know, I have my own narrative. I'm getting all excited just thinking about it. So you take it away. No, I, I think Arnaud puts it extremely well. You know, our, our picture of Vizier, we, we've spent a long time thinking about people analytics and, and how do you do it well? Uh, we actually have a, a conceptual framework for the various different pieces of data that you need to truly understand a human being. And I, I break that down into look, situation, uh, where do I work, sentiment, how do I feel, uh, capabilities, what am I good at, and, and uh, collaboration, what's my network. And all of that rolls down into product, production. And I, I, I can't, we've, we've struggled and many folks have struggled with this, what is production? Do you count how much was sold? Do you count how many hours somebody works? Like you can see the creepy tech that, that captures your screen and decides if you're working or not, which, which we all hate. And when I look at better works and the, this notion of the OKR, the percent progression, the, the ability of the individual to take a company goal and then sort of invest how they want to support that into that methodology, it starts to give us a really, um, a positive and meaningful framework for what what is uh, production like what is the work how is that work aligned what are the results and progression that somebody's doing that that gets it away from you know the manager's perception of whether you're working hard it gets it away from some of the challenges in terms of how many lines of code did i write it's like who cares less code is better it's like how did your code run is more interesting than how much did i write so it gives us this really important frame for that that area and again better works is broader than the production piece there's the sentiment and the recognition and the production so so we see that as a, a very natural piece of data really important piece of data that again doesn't live in other places these the tools that are developed like better works to focus on this you know have again they're closed loop they're not they leverage an hrs but they're focused on effectiveness rather than the you know, transactional efficiencies. So, so we see that as just an essential part of this evolving ecosystem, sometimes described as work tech, which is all about making work uh, purposeful and helping people do it at their best. So we see it as a very natural extension in, that, in the ecosystem that, that we are trying to facilitate, uh, be part of. And there's, there's, you know, we're not in the generation process with the data, we are in the, the 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 how do we leverage it to its maximum by that one plus one equals three kind of piece yeah i, I mean I, I love what you're saying and you know arno i want to 
go back to you because we have the situation as many organizations are returning to the workplace and there's a bunch of research that suggests that people got itchy feet that either their organization did not respond well to covid or just given life transitions that they want to work closer to their home any number of reasons are driving this need this desire to move jobs and so it's not only how people are thinking about their work experience. It's about what they're actually doing at work. And to your point, Arno, you know, what are the drivers of it? So can you explain as leaders are formulating return to work strategies and really hybrid work strategies ongoing, you know, why is it so important for them to have this activity data, this, you know, goal data, the sentiment data all in one place? What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I'm thinking there's, it's no surprise that the employee engagement market and the employee experience market and the OKR market are booming, blooming the, during this crisis. And, and it will continue um, as organizations have moved to a fully remote or a hybrid uh, way of working. Basically, uh, this uh, uh, health crisis has uh, exacerbated trends that were already existing that people want to belong they want to understand why they wake up why they get out of bed and, and get in front of the computer uh, they want they want to be part of an organization where they understand their contribution and if that's meaningful right and they want to know that people care about their contribution and care about themselves and care about their development so all that was um, facilitated by in-office work, right? You would meet people, you would grab lunch, you would grab coffee, you would meet people in the corridors. And now that we've gotten to this extreme of sitting in front of Zoom all day long, uh, people are craving for a, a way to understand how they fit in, mm -hmm. right? So having objectives that are clearly defined, where you know what you have to accomplish, but also you know how it's aligned to how it's going to make your team successful, how it's going to make your, um, your, your team members successful, your coworkers successful, how these objectives and key results are interrelated mm. and connect to each other. That's really important to understand kind of the, the mesh or the web that you, you belong to. And, and then at the next level, how the team will make your function or your department successful and how your department actually feeds into the top company goal. So that, that, that sense of belonging uh, that is so important is, um, is being helped in, in great ways by a system like OKRs plus a performance enablement system that ensures that these things are not just doc, you know, documentation. Uh, we need to, you need to add the people aspect to it where managers talk to employees and you, they bring other contributors in the conversations and they, you make sure that uh, not, not necessarily through Zoom, but in an asynchronous way, you can have coaching conversations that are documented where development is being talked about, where objectives are being talked about, and it's very clear what the, what the next steps are. Um, so I rumbled a bit there, but it, it just, yeah, this pandemic has exacerbated these needs from an individual contributor perspective, from a team manager perspective, 
HR needs this information. They need to know that everybody's in good hands being coached appropriately. And business leaders up to the CEO need to know that everybody's working from their bedrooms, but yet they are working towards, you know, they're all rowing in the same direction. Yep. Um, so that's in, it, how it all fits Yeah, in. There's, there's something that Arno hit on that I think is perfect and really needs to be doubled down, which is, you know, a few people have said like, why is this different than performance module that I used to get in, you know, whatever brand of HRS that you had? And it, it's the, the performance system in whatever brand of HRS was simply the record keeping. It, it was where after we've had the conversations and we've done the forms, we've done all that stuff. It was literally like where the data was kept. So if you needed to refer to it later for whatever reason it was, w what I see in you know the, the better works is that whole social engagement in the meaning of the work, the line of sight and it not being just, just manager to individual, but peer to individual. So mm -hmm. the recognition piling in like, so it, it it really does build meaning around work and all of us are questing for that. Um, and I, as you say, the, the pandemic, I was reading something recently that, you know, the amount of time that we've had to go for walks on our own or, you know, sit in our flat and stare at the wall, whatever it might be, has triggered so many more people to think like, what do I truly want to do with, with life? Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's a whole big part of the, um, whether you call, I've seen it called the great work migration, the great resignation, like who knows, but our data shows it, our, our customers we're talking to are experiencing it, this, this massive amount of work change that is coming, not always triggered by the employer, sometimes triggered by the employee going like, I was, I've been sat here doing this for years because it was what I did. And I was so busy doing it, I didn't have the impetus to change. A forced stop, a sudden, a sudden shock like a crisis, is just generating massive amounts of change. So um, I love the way that Arno describes that engagement of the person and the community around the person in the cycle of building meaning, because I think that is very, very differentiating and, and very key in you know, how we build our, our processes and our thinking about employees and what, what work means as we go forward. You know, there's a reason we tried to get rid of performance management a few years ago. Yeah. You know, I, I want to pick... The or no, you, 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 you go ahead. Then I have something to say, but you, 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 you go ahead. Yeah, I wanted to add that, you know, this shift uh, home <laughs> uh, and working with people who work from home has also increased the emphasis on, on simplicity, ease of use, systems that are intuitive. And that's a reason why we're partnering with Vizier because we're, we're in that same boat, right? Yeah. Yes, of course, defining your goals at an individual team company level is nothing new. Um, getting coaching or performance management conversations, that's not new either. Uh, and people analytics and bridging the data or visualizing the data, that's nothing new. And uh, HRIS systems are doing it in an old school way. That is the, the system of record, system of compliance kind of way. Vizier and BetterWorks were systems of engagement and systems of intelligence, mm -hmm. systems that are intuitive, that are made for user engagement that translates into employee engagement and, and also ease to get, get insights out of the data. 
Yeah, I, I love what you both are saying. And if I'm a CHRO or head of talent or somebody who is in a decision-making capacity in an organization, and I'm listening, I'm going, yes, yes, yes. And I'm also thinking, okay, ours, okay, that's operations. That's like at a manager level to actually identify work and help prioritize and all that. And people analytics, that's probably HRIS. And then we have, say, IT, you know, dealing with collaboration systems and all that. Um, we have facilities involved in identifying where people are working, you know, how they're going to be resourced, you know, with everything from, you know, chairs to desks to, you know, whatever they need to get work done and on down the line. And I'm getting to this question is that many organizations have dabbled in certain process, they made decisions in certain process and commitments in certain process. And what I'm hearing you two talking about is a holistic approach where you're truly thinking about the employee experience, the underlying data and the insights that that's generating. And I have long been trumpeting and others have as well that we're in need of new management models. We're in need of new governance frameworks to understand all these different facets and try and align them and, and bring them together. So Arno, you know, what are your thoughts about this notion of having new forums by which to make these more holistic decisions? Is that something that you're seeing or advocating or do you still see maybe HR or operations taking the lead and adopting these types of solutions? Yeah, you know, there's still a bit of both. Uh, if you, um, you know, we're, we're past the chasm, but not in the, in the great masses kind of adoption. Uh, customers still come single-threaded sometimes. You know, HR wants a new performance enablement, performance management system, but they also realize that people need to know what they are working on. Um, Others realize that there's a disconnect between their top level strategy and uh, individual contributor or teamwork. They realize that there's overlap between projects, there's lack of transparency, people are not utilized in an optimal way. So they really want to set up an OKR system. But there's, uh, yeah, there's, there's more and more people uh, who come to us and, and visualize the holistic view because they because they live the disconnect and they realize it's the great disease in their company right mm -hmm. they, they realize that people are working on stuff uh, leadership is expecting something else um, people coaching and development is eh, happening but taking a back seat because there's always something more urgent to do um, yeah, and so at the end of the day, it just makes sense to bring everything to get together. Yeah. Like we're, you know, we're releasing um, a, a product soon that is very simple. It's a product for one-on-ones. Today, people do one-on-ones in their Google Docs, in their uh, Evernote, on Post-it notes, or on their in their notebooks. It's con completely contextless, right? What we're doing is simple. We're connecting the dots between your one-on-one -on -one conversations with your manager, but also with any of your peers and your context. What is the feedback that you have gotten in the past seven days? What are what is what is the progress that you've made on your objectives and key results? What are the uh, Udemy for business courses that you've taken? How are you progressed? And all this transparency creates context for a good conversation 
whether it is with peers or with managers or with your entire team. Uh, so that's a very simple example how connecting the dots is just adding richness to all conversations and and uh, and and value to to companies. Yeah, very well said, Ian. I know you have thoughts on that, particularly given the fact that we're in this quote unquote, and I've heard this from you. You know, this modern era, and that you know, people management is you know needs to evolve. So, I mean, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, so I was doing some digging and research um, just this past week for a couple of sessions, and I kind of came across uh, two things that I sensed but hadn't seen the data on. Uh, the first is the the amount of uncertainty, like the speed at which you know everything Arno describes completely agree and have have seen those cycles, but the the speed at which business is moving now, um, you, you can't afford to have those weaknesses, like you don't have three months to go in the wrong direction and then suddenly work it out. Um, I also, the um, older generation who have been comfortable in those processes, they're retiring at three times the rate. So the, the I mean, we've been talking for a long time about the impact of millennials in, in work. And, you know, they're going from half the workforce to two thirds of the workforce that we will be we're living and working in that space. And so I think of I think employers kind of ignore this future state at their peril, because if there's a notion of like, oh, thank goodness it's over, we can kind of just fall back on all of the habits that we have. I think people are in for a rude shock in terms of employees voting with their feet yes. and, and, and taking themselves where and, and finding uh, more fruitful environments that where they feel like they can work and come and, and contribute so um we we see that we get pulled into it it's 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 off it's the whole reason our our ecosystem uh openness started it, it was it was pulled <laughs> we were pulled into it by clients like yeah. you know we're working with these people and these people we want you to work together so that we don't have to have the pain and, and you guys seem like you share our values you seem like you share our drive can you please work together and we're like yeah that makes tons of sense so we've seen what it's like as organizations are trying to get out of that single threaded like reporting over here and you know something else over here and something else over here to actually think about the the work as the thing and and people as the the um the creators of it and and, and joining it up so uh, I think we're, I feel like we're at a wave, like some will fall back on the, the wrong side of the wall and others <laughs> will charge over and carry on. I know which side I think you need to be on, but um, I, I think it's inevitable because of the, the forces at play in terms of who's working and what they expect from work. Well, I mean, to, to your point there, Ian, we're not only drinking the Kool-Aid, we're, we're making the Kool-Aid. And so, you know, uh, yeah, that you said, and again, I'm not going to fall into groupthink here um, in that, oh, gosh, you know, this is the right way and, and it's the only way. Um, that being said, I want to emphasize a point. You know, we are in a different space. Um, obviously, the pandemic, obviously, with what has uh, evolved with uh, pursuit of social justice, with Black Lives Matter and diversity, equity, and inclusion historically, and I'm just going to 
call it as I have seen it over the last 20 years. It, it's been a noble initiative, but it's kind of been uh, a checkbox to say, yeah, we're doing that. And we have one person with that title and they're not empowered. Uh, but now it's now at the board level, there are measures, there are you know need to create not only feelings of inclusion, but real a sense of safety, psychologically, emotionally, and of course, you know, physically. So, you know, Arno, you know, going back to you with, because you mentioned at the outset, you know, creating this sense of belonging and inclusion. What do you think the value proposition for this type of solution that you're bringing to market is to tackle the ongoing challenge, the perpetual challenge of elevated inclusion, safety, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, we've, we've never done as many pulse surveys as in 2020. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think it, it grew four times or something mm-hmm. like that for, uh, and, and acquired customers because of that need as well. Uh, it, it is telling that uh, organizations continue to realize that they need to listen to their employees more often, more frequently, because engagement is not something that is measured once a year and then remains flat. It keeps evolving uh, depending on the context and the you know if, uh, events outside of the company, events inside of the company. So you need to keep, keep measuring and collecting comments and, um, and analyzing all this. We've also seen, so that's on the, the measurement side, on the action side, so of course, you know, when once you do a, a pulse survey, you need to identify your areas for improvement. You turn that into an action plan. One click, it turns into an OKR, right? It, it needs to be that simple. And it's another example of closing the loop, which is pretty unique to what we do. But on the action side, we've actually seen a number of our customers define um, DEI categories and, and top company goals that people could align to. And I know we do, we do it here at BetterWorks. BetterWorks is very big on DEI. We have about a third of the organization that is actively involved in a, in a DEI group that com- continues to think about these, uh, these kind of social issues. Uh, but we've also established a top company goal. So, uh, you know, top company goals are not only about executing on, on the strategy and getting business results. It's also about what company do we want to become. And very, we, we really advocate and encourage our customers to have uh, at least one company goal that is about values, about culture, right? So that people can understand what is top, uh, top priority for you in terms of culture and, and how you want to shift uh, who you are as a company, and then teams see that and then can align, right? So we're the engineering team. What are we going to do to align to, uh, to the DEI initiative that's at the company level? And so yeah. you can see, because OKRs is not only top down, it's not going to be the CEO saying, hey, you guys do this, you guys do that. Mm-hmm. It's about showing the true north in terms of what kind of company we want to become and then providing visibility to everyone. And then the teams can decide for themselves in a bottoms up kind of way, how do we want to align? What, what is specific to the engineering team that really resonates? Is it about hiring? Is it about you know inviting a guest speaker? Is it about talking about these things? 
they can shape it the way they want, but at least it's aligned with the true north that the CEO has, has defined. So these are a couple of ways that, uh, that we've seen our customers use BetterWorks this year. Ian? Just, just to, to double in, as, as Arno is talking, you know, lots of, lots of light bulbs going on as usual. Because um, we've, we've seen something aligned to that setting of objectives and being able to distribute it in the in the Vizier world, we we have the data around how is my piece of the business doing relative to the objective. So it, it really is this um, distribution of both where are we trying to get to, you know, where are we as a specific group, not these lofty information up here, and it's all very nice, but we don't really know how we affect it. It's that cascade of the target and the data mm. down to that decision making level. So somebody can see what the company goal is, where their population is. And, and we know it causes that reflection on all of those little decisions. It's like, oh, I, I don't have any women on my slate here. I'm gonna wait and I'm gonna go back to the recruiter and say, we need to do better. We need to find a way to bring in a person of color, a woman, you know, somebody with a some semblance of difference into this slate because we're not ready to move forward. And that's the hiring manager making the decision. When you don't have the data, you don't have the alignment, you don't have any of that available, it's like, where are we at? What do we need to do next? You you run off gut and you run off pressure. So you do the wrong things, not for the wrong reasons, but just because you haven't got a means to see what could happen. I think that's, that's one element. Um, the second is the really big piece around hybrid work that, again, I think where this the meth methodology around a level playing field and core visibility through data of everybody is going to be essential. One of the biggest fears that you hear expressed is if I don't go back into the office and people are in the office, is, are they going to get ahead because the manager sees them and they don't see me? Like, how do I know that you as an organization are going to be fair? And there, there's so many opportunities for uh, bias through that system. Uh, you know, if you have parental responsibilities, then you, if I can work from home, I'm likely going to, am I now disadvantaged in my career? Mm. Like, and all of that cycle goes on. So like these kinds of tools start to liberate, they show intent from the business to say, we're not gonna gauge it on, does your manager like you or not? You know, we've all lived those worlds. We're gonna yeah. gauge it on the data. Right. Yeah, uh, I, uh, I, I, what you're sharing, both of you, uh, brings a story uh, to mind for me. And it, it's this, I had a CEO, not a CHRO, a CEO of a multi-billion dollar company say, Al, I feel like I'm flying blind. And this was a while ago now. And I, my, back of my mind uh, that immediately came to my thoughts was, you really don't know how blind, like, like you're really, really blind. And um, I didn't mean that from a critical place. I meant that being very aware of the opportunity cost of not leveraging the data that was possible. Uh, so this will land in a question. So bear with me because at the time, the effort to take, to get the data was difficult. It was expensive. It was risky. And the even the, the lag time to aggregate, analyze, generate the insight, take appropriate action, it wasn't 
a few clicks, like you were saying, I don't know, it was, you know, days and sometimes weeks. And so fast forward now, um, you know, I would have said, Here, here's a dashboard, here's, here's a cockpit, you can now fly, not blind, you can fly by instruments, but they're old school instruments. Now we have very sophisticated instrument, we have an instrument panel that's pretty cool. And now you're making a choice not to use this very sophisticated, detailed, actionable control panel. And I would put forth that it is irresponsible for a senior leader, CEO, CHR, or anybody else to not use these dashboards. So now it invites the question, all right, Al, I agree. <laughs> We're making the Kool-Aid. Why do you not think more CEOs, CHROs and the like aren't adopting this more holistic approach and getting this more sophisticated dashboard in front of them. Ian, how about you go first? Yeah, I'll, I'll happily go first. Um, I think the, the, the key pieces I would say has been distraction. Mm -hmm. It's, it's been the distraction of, um, which technology should I use? Um, you know, some notion of digital transformation, some notion of hype, and, and sometimes this notion that the, the problem is too big. So, um, you know, just the distraction of all of the noise mm -hmm. um, is, is see as a, as a big impediment. Um, that's probably the, the, the primary one for, for me that I see is like, oh, I'll get to that because I don't really understand how it works. Right. I think there's something there, but I'm not quite sure what. I'm not quite sure how to be successful. So I will go to areas where I'm more familiar and more comfortable. Yeah, I've been a leader for 20, 30 years. I haven't had to use this cockpit. I haven't used the dashboard. I'll just keep flying and you know keep going. Arno, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think that you know business leaders have a lot of competing priorities. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of why not, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. uh, you know, why not Salesforce and why not, you know, uh, so in every part of the business there, there can be uh, an argument for digital transformation and modernization and use of analytics. I think it takes a little bit of, uh, of luck for us that uh, customers sometimes stumble upon a, a tough situation and they realize, wow, I, I, I can't fly blind anymore, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so to give an example, if, uh, if they have a DEI problem and they realize now, well, in better words, they have strategic objectives. Uh, they know who's getting development objectives, right? And, they, and through Vizier, they can slice and dice that by gender, by ethnicity, then you know it's it's going to be a compelling value proposition at the time that they need it. But you just need either the right person also to be in the organization to have that experience, and it resonates to them, and they have the you know the the karma points to uh, to influence their senior leadership or senior leadership that is uh, that is either in a tough situation or acutely aware and uh, and and with a great foresight. So. It just takes time, you know, you, and as, as in everything, you have the, the early adopters and, and the laggards. There's some great insight in what Arno was sharing, because I, I was just thinking what, what we've seen recently is an awful lot of 
new people analytics leaders, either people that are in our sphere who've gone to a new place or, you know, new people analytics leaders jobs starting up. And it, and it is to Arno's point, a lot of those people are being hired because they are experts, they've walked the path before the, the businesses that are now realizing, okay, if I, I have to do this, I have to get together with people who can help me walk the path, whether that's hiring somebody specifically or, you know, going with vendors who know how to walk that path. But I definitely think there's a change. I think the, you know, in the past there was distractions. Now it's much more a case of, okay, we need to get this solved. We can't live without data. Yeah. And that's, thank you for emphasizing that point. Cause that leads into the question that came to mind in that when I first started doing this work 20 odd years ago, I, I, termed it as we were doing it on an event-driven basis, meaning, okay, we aggregated data, we analyzed it, we pushed it out, created a deck, and hopefully something happened. You know, great. And the primary customer was HR leadership and maybe operations or, or senior leadership, um, all fine and good. But now we're in this place where, and I talk about the three S's, speed, scale, and sustainability. So it needs to be fast. We need to do it at scale and it needs to be ongoing. So that means that we're not doing it on an event-driven basis. We're doing it on an ongoing basis. That means an ecosystem of technologies. The idea that we're going to have one technology and it's going to solve all our problems, hopefully the world has said, okay, that's not going to happen. So we're going to have to accept this ecosystem. And so my pointed question to you, and Arnaud, I'll toss it over to you, is that HRIS, HRIT has kind of, okay, there's, we have that system, we have that performance system, uh, we, and maybe communications or somebody else uh, has an engagement survey that they're running over here, and then there's core HR, and then sometimes the ATS or there's a recruiting system, you know, elsewhere, so there's this, all this stuff, you know, all over, so increasingly, correct me if I'm wrong, People analytics leaders and employee experience leaders, they might be one and the same in some organizations, um, have to not only understand the ecosystem in its current state and how to aggregate and analyze the data, but they need to have a roadmap to enhance that ecosystem over time, in my view. So you, what are your thoughts there? Because you mentioned before that sometimes they bring in like one point of your uh, solution and they might need it to fill a gap in that ecosystem and it might evolve uh, from there. But Arno, what, what are your thoughts on organizations needing to understand and truly manage this ecosystem in an integrated way over time? Yeah, they, they need help because it's very difficult to connect systems. And I, I think there's a stat that the, you know, the average HR team is managing 18 or 20 software as a service systems yeah. currently. Yeah. And uh, and, and not all of them are well connected and, and communicate. Uh, so if you have silos, then it duplicates the work and you need to track things, the same, the same KPIs in different systems, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I, that, that's a lot of what we educate the market on. Hmm. It's around, you know, of course we have our modules, we have our functionality, but it's, why we do well in the market is our tentacles into the market, right? Uh, that are built into our product and also uh, towards other systems of work and, and analytics outside of our product. And uh, what I mean by that is we don't, we can't, you can't expect people to come into a platform like BetterWorks every day, right? Mm. 
but you should expect to people to interact with BetterWorks every day through plugins, like in your Gmail, in your Outlook, in Microsoft Teams, having a Slack bot, et cetera. You, you need to give people the opportunity of seeing data and reacting to data. Uh, so that's in product. But then there's also a bunch of, you know, you, you need to be integrated with the rest of the world, hmm. uh, especially when you're measuring key results, uh, you need automation. So if, you know, a salesperson doesn't want to do work in Salesforce and then come into BetterWorks and key in, have, you know, every time they sign a deal, it needs to be automated. Um, so having a, a very solid set of APIs, uh, having an integration platform, there's there's a market that's actually pretty fascinating with uh, you know Trade.io and Workato and Cloud mm -hmm. Elements of the world that that helps connect all these pieces. Um, so you you need to reassure customers, especially in the enterprise space, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, that that things uh, speak to each other in the in the SMB space. Um, people, the buyers are looking for a, sort of a one size fits all or one, one box that doesn't have best in class, but it's just it it's all under the same URL. In the enterprise, they're willing to be patient and to to do some extra work to benefit from. Uh, point solutions that are best in class, but they need to be reassured that either currently or you have a roadmap to connect well with the viziers of the world. Yeah. You know, I, Ian, I'm going to segue to this question and I believe it to be true. You and I've talked about it in the past, but I believe there's a value proposition to prioritize people analytics uh, above these transactional systems in, in certain cases, uh, with the reasoning being that you're beginning with the end in mind. You understand how the data is going to be used and analyzed to inform not only top level, you know, talent strategy, but the employee experience, you know, how it's going to benefit individuals. What are your thoughts there? Because I know this is a point of passion for you. Yeah, well, we actually have some really great examples. Um, back in May, we ran uh, a smart conference. Uh, we had Melissa Cantor from Lego. We had um, somebody from Unilever and Rob Etheridge from Deutsche Bank, all of whom did analytics first. And, mm -hmm. and the reason they went that way was because they, they knew they needed to understand their data and how are they going to use it prior to putting in some new new process. It's it's the it's the classic thing, oh, our process is broken. Let's put in a new process technology. And we end up with the same broken process in a new technology. Like we've all of us have lived that. Whereas the the taking the data out, looking at the shape, the structure, the the what happens, when and how enable those businesses actually to make the case for the need for a new HRS. So it was part of their business case in and, and then it it de-risked the implementation and it's it's a it's kind of David and Goliath like the investment in people analytics is the David and then the investment in the HRS is the Goliath. So why you would in, you know spend that tens of millions when you can spend the half a million and, and take all the risk out any finance person would automatically see that as a valuable spend but it, you know it, it'd been a it'd been a um, view of ours for some time and we now have you know some really great substantive examples of customers that have done it and done it successfully and, and used it to then implement uh, in a work day but fed by what their understanding of the data was through application of vizier first 
Yeah, I uh, thank you for sharing that because I just and Nikki Clement at Unilever is I I've had the great pleasure of working with her and her team for, for a number of years now, and yeah, it is a fantastic example of thinking beginning with the end in mind and really having that be the narrative that you're taking to other leaders to earn budget to deliver insight and value you know on an ongoing basis so i hope more adopt you know that approach it does take some facilitation it does take in other words knowing how to fly the plane knowing how to drive the car <laughs> whatever you want to, to to put it forth and uh you know that's part of my job i think it's all our jobs to educate the community on what it takes to not only select appropriate solutions but to implement and scale and drive impact you know, that's intentional, you know, over time. So, you know, we have uh, time for probably one or two more questions, but Ian, I know you have one more comment on that. Let's just say one more comment because it, it goes to that, how do you scale the ecosystem? And, and it's why organizations like Vizier and BetterWorks are, you know, keen to share this conversation because as well as being friends in the market, you know, behind the scenes, we understand each other's tech. We understand how data flows back and forth. Because what I'm seeing is when our, our enterprise clients, you know, uh, switch on something like BetterWorks, it, it's not, you know, a year later that they suddenly wonder, well, how, how else can we leverage the data? It can literally be a month. So, you know, we're in conversations where, you know, we're thinking of standing up BetterWorks, we've signed the deal, we want to know how this is going to flow over to Vizier. So mm -hmm. our, for our organizations, it totally makes sense to be ahead of that challenge to share the information, to understand schemas, to understand data flows, to, to really be built out, to, to say yes to the customer and have solved the problems before the customer has the problems. And that's that's part of what it means to be a, an e ecosystem player is to have that openness, the willingness, the sharing of IP, the, the understanding of how each other, the playing together is actually stronger, better for the customer. Uh, and that's another key piece around this ecosystem. Yeah, no, I think it's a smart uh, way to position because uh, obviously, to your point, it makes it easier for the customer at the end of the day that you have a relationship and that the data can flow and uh, you, have, you can deliver value beyond just what you offer independently. So, you know, kudos to you for being you know, forward thinking in that regard. So as we start to you know, wrap here, Arno, you know, final you know, comments and you know, how can people learn more about you and BetterWorks? Uh, about me, I'm on LinkedIn. I share a lot of stuff, uh, probably too much. Uh, people can reach out to me at Arno with a D, A-R-N-A-U-D at betterworks.com. Yeah, and learn about BetterWorks. We'd, we'd be more than happy to tell you how we close that loop between strategy people and results. And, uh, and Do you have a graphic on that, by the way? Do you have any like graphic on strategy, people, and results? <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> we do. It's usually sitting here. <laughs> For anyone listening or viewing, you will see that. 100%. You will see that if you go to betterworks.com or you see this podcast or anywhere. We'll make sure you know exactly what we're talking about. It's, it's, so, all, so, sorry. About, it's all about closing the loop. Uh, we've been fortunate also to have the backing of amazing uh amazing investors. And we, we just released a couple of weeks back that we raised uh, $61 million. So I was able to double the size of uh, the product team. We double the size of the engineering team. We have a great tailwind in our sales and we're moving fast. We have a very exciting roadmap and uh, 
So yeah, I'd, I'd be super happy to, to share some of that uh, with your audience. All right. Thanks, Arno. Ian, closing comment? Yeah, just again, excited to have the, the connection with BetterWorks and, and really help people understand the need to think about the world of work being different. You know, whilst we might be moving into a vaccinated world and more mobile again, it, it's really a waste of a crisis if we fall back on old habits. Um, really, really love the way that um, BetterWorks enables people to connect with work and then uh, bringing that into that whole holistic picture of how do we understand and, and really help people thrive is, is kind of a big part of what drives Vizier. Learning more about Vizier, uh, our website's the best place, vizier.com. We, we have a clarity blog. We have a bunch of information around how do you get started? How do we do this? Many, many of the people who speak at Al's conference every year are Vizier clients. We have a, a pretty um, stellar list of, of people who've been driving this practice forward for a long time. And then personally, LinkedIn is the best place to find me. Um, I share stuff. I manage a debate every Thursday on all things people analytics. So please do reach out and uh, I'll be happy to share. Well, again, thanks to you both. And I, I'll just say I am uncommonly excited about the relationship that you two have. Uh, you know, I have long talked about activity-based data and behavioral data. In other words, what people actually do uh, as well as their intentions. You know, I heard stretch goals and the fact that you can juxtapose that data with you know, what is happening you know, financially, what is happening with key HR metrics. I mean, the, the context that you all deliver together is again, uncommon. So congratulations on what you've achieved and yeah, look forward to the future with you two it's going to be exciting so thank you yeah thanks very exciting and thank you for having us of course all right gentlemen you be well hope to see you in person uh before too long thanks all, all right be well bye. bye thanks for joining the people data for good podcast with al adamson to find other podcasts videos upcoming events and to join the people data for good movement please visit us at pafau.net